Great leaders are always learning. Tune in each week as we dig deep into the minds of America's top leaders and uncover their secrets for success and the pivotal moments that got them there. If you are looking for executive coaching that will drive you and your team to the winning goal line, this is the podcast for you. I'm Justin Simmons, your host. Really excited about today's guest, Gail Davis, uh, owns GDA Speakers here in Dallas, Texas. Uh, had the pleasure of working with Gail directly. Uh, she helped us acquire some talent for some campaigns and going through that experience, started thinking, well, wow, I, I, she knows so many people. She's so well-connected, such a cool lady. I need to bring her on the Leaders Playbook. So Gail, thank you so much for joining thank us Thank you, I'm super excited yeah. to be here, Justin. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. We'd like to get a little background on you and, and, and ultimately at the end of this, hopefully our, our viewers will be able to learn some of those tips, those tricks, those things that you do that make you exceptional. And oh. uh, albeit you're bashful, <laughs> you won't admit that, but I uh, just wanna learn a little bit about you today. So yeah. thank you so much for coming on. Oh, you're so welcome. Well, at heart, it all starts, I'm a small town girl from Oklahoma and I went to the University of Oklahoma and went to work for EDS, Electronic Data Systems, the company that Ross Perot That's founded right. right out of college. Wow. And I mean, what an experience. I bet. Loved it, loved it, loved it. I relocated to several different states. I worked in Missouri, I worked in Oregon, I came back to Dallas, which was the headquarters. Mm -hmm. You know, people were always so impressed that I had the same job for 20 years. But I had many jobs. I just happened to work for the same company for 20 years. Yeah. I was a corporate recruiter. I was in training, leadership development. And ultimately, I managed large-scale corporate events. So that meant that I planned these events and I hired outside speakers. Okay. And I loved it. You yeah. know? And uh, one year in 1994, the chairman of the company issued me a challenge. Uh -oh. And he said, Gail, you know, well, first of all, he said, who's our speaker going to be next year? And I was like, well, I don't know. You know, we're going to Hawaii. Why do you ask? And he said, well, I want someone new and different. I want someone no one's heard. I want someone that has international appeal. And he just, you know, he just paints what felt like an impossible yeah, description. Yeah, exactly. Small, small and, challenge. And um, I was like, okay. So back then I was married and I had small children, and so the typical Friday night routine would be order pizza and go to the video store, you know, look at the videos on the wall and take one home. So I did that on this particular Friday night, and I had shared this story with my former husband, and the movie that I picked was Alive. It's a movie that Ethan Hawke is in, Oh yeah. and it's about the plane crash in 1972 in the Andes Mountains. And we plugged the video in, and I'm telling you, 10 minutes into the film, my former husband, Kelly, said, that's, that's your answer. I said, my answer to what? And he goes, for the speaker. And I'm like, Ethan Hawke? And he's like, <laughs> no, not Ethan Hawke, the real guy. Yeah. And I was like, huh. And honestly, I think my first reaction was, maybe you should stick to mergers and acquisitions, and I'll do the mm -hmm. meeting planning. But by the end of the movie, I was like, this is a great idea. Yeah. Well, for those listeners, um, that were not alive in 1994, there was no Google. Yeah. So back then you really had to go through speakers bureaus, if you will. Mm -hmm. And they literally had a term again that a lot of people don't know, but they had a Rolodex of people. Yeah. And so I started going to all these various speakers bureaus and saying, hey, can you help me find the guy from the movie Alive, Plane Crash? And people were like, oh, what a horrible idea. Yeah. I'm like, why? 
And they say, well, just because a movie's been made about someone, it doesn't make him a great speaker. And sometimes when you see a movie about someone, you fall in love with that character, but then you meet the real person and you're yeah, disappointed. Doesn't All, look like Ethan Hawke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All valid points. Anyway, I said, no, that's not the case because I also watched the documentary. Anyway, it's, it's a long, fun story, but I tracked down Nando Parado. He lives in Montevideo, Uruguay. Wow. And I tracked him down through the Uruguayan Embassy in Washington, D.C. I invited him to come and speak at EDS, and he said no. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, what? And he's like, you know, my mother died in a plane crash, my sister, my five best friends. You know, I, you know thank you, but no thank you. I eventually talk him into it. Yeah. And he comes to our event in Maui. Maui helped. Yeah, you know? absolutely. <laughs> you know, Maui, the Ritz Carlton in Maui, it helped. Yeah. Um, he comes, he gives the speech. It was unbelievable. Really? It was, so he was a good speaker. He really was. Really? I had good instincts for this stuff. Yeah. It was off the charts. And the chairman walks over to me, puts his arm around me, and he said, Kid, you should retire. And I'm like, retire? I mean, I, I don't even remember how old I was, but it wasn't that old. You yeah. know? I don't even think I was 40 yet, or barely. And he said, you're never going to outdo this. So fast forward, Nando and his wife and I, we became great friends. I went to Uruguay. Lots of things happened in corporate America. And I made the decision to leave my 20-year career and go out and start my own company. So wow. I, I think I sometimes refer to myself as a late stage entrepreneur yeah. or a second career entrepreneur. <laughs> uh, my father was an entrepreneur and so I knew a little bit about it. And mm -hmm. initially it was kind of a hobby to be totally honest with you. Um, I was working out of my house and you know, just gonna see where it goes. But it just kind of took off. That's and cool. um, I think you and I were talking earlier, you know, personally I had a big change. Um, I had been married for 17 years, and then all of a sudden I wasn't going to be married anymore. And I, I, that was a really deciding moment. Mm -hmm. Like, should I go back to the comfort of a salary and a career at working for someone, or should I really go for it? Yeah. And I decided to really go for it, and that was spent almost 24 years ago. Well, congratulations, and you, you made a success of that too. Which Thank you. I think probably looking at that... Um, and you told me a little bit about your degree in college at, uh -huh. at the University of Oklahoma and um, how maybe that plays into that career decision. But you, you're probably fortunate in that it sounds like you kind of hit on your passion. And, and I, I think it. so many people struggle with that is the day-to-day -day and, and it not really following their passion, mm -hmm. not following the thing, but you got lucky there in that yeah. you, you followed your instincts. And yeah, so and that's I, commend you. I get to meet great people and it's, you know, you're surrounded by positivity. Yeah. Someone typically isn't out on the speaking circuit unless they're somewhat positive. Yeah, for sure. And our point. clients are all doing well because they're not going to be spending money on meetings and hiring speakers if they're not doing well. Right. So there's a lot of, um, you know, I'm constantly learning and it's really helped me amp up my curiosity yeah. and, and see how important curiosity is. So, cause I'm exposed to so much. Well, driving into that, so we can, I want to ask so GDA speakers, tell us a bit about what the company does fundamentally and interested to know what's that competitive landscape look like and, and what are some of the things you're doing to differentiate yourself in your space right now? Oh, I love that question. So when I started my company, the model existed for having a roster and being an exclusive bureau. Mm -hmm. well, let me use an analogy, real estate. Sometimes you're the buying agent, sometimes you're the listing agent, and sometimes you're both. 
So the model existed, Washington Speakers Bureau, the Harry Walker Agency, Greater Talent Network, I mean, legendary companies that had a roster of luminaries. I wasn't gonna try to recreate that. Yeah. That was existed and that would have taken a long time. I borrowed a page out of the playbook uh, from EDS. They, they were a software services company and they always said we're vendor independent. We don't care if you're a Mac shop, a Dell shop, an HP shop, we're software services. We want to give you the best solution. That doesn't matter. So I kind of tweaked that a little bit and said, I want to find clients mm -hmm. and I want a seat at the table and I want to keep that client for as long as I can. If that means that I have to show them houses that are listed by Eddie Halliday, mm -hmm. fine. Yeah. I just, when you're in your car driving down the road and you see the sign that the house is for sale, mm -hmm. I don't want you calling the person whose name is hanging there. Yeah. I want you calling me going, Gail, I found a great house. Let's go look at it. Yeah. So that's how I, that's initially how I differentiated GDA speakers. Several years ago, I created a back office and I addressed all the things I would have wanted mm -hmm when I was my client yeah. when I, you know, and so we have some super technology that really, really helps planners have access to information 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So, yeah. uh, that's another thing that we've done. So passion aside, cause you have to have that cause mm -hmm. clearly high energy, you're into your craft, you love what you're doing. Um, that to me is a big, big piece to it. Uh, what, what's driving Gail Davis now and, Ultimately, what are some of your goals? Where are you trying to take this thing? What, what do you wake up and say, this is why I'm doing this and this is where we're going? What, yeah. what, what's that about? Such a great question. <laughs> and it, it was greatly impacted in 2020 because before the pandemic, you know, I was all about scale and, you know, how do I replicate these processes and how do I train and hire and find the next generation of leaders? And then in March of 2020, it, yeah. it, it was devastating. And it's, I mean, I know it was for a lot of people, but I have, I have to think that restaurants and speakers bureaus were really yeah. impacted. And, you know, it was, it really became all about survival. Mm -hmm. And, um, I going into the pandemic, I had 12 full-time employees. At one point I got down to four. Mm, that's hard. You know, and I did it to survive. And then now we're back up to 10, but sometimes I have to give myself grace and the people around me grace and patience to realize we did cut deep and we got a lot of new people. Mm -hmm. And so things that the expectation that I would have for a company in my third decade, they're unrealistic because so many members of the team are so green. Yeah. So I think it's just about trying to um, make sure that I'm the best mentor I can possibly be. Mm -hmm recognizing that my best lane is working on relationships and strategy mm -hmm. and then just being very, very patient as I teach the team how to do the day to day. Are you, uh, so from an energy perspective, you're really always driving at positivity and, and what kind of give me some philosophies on how you approach each day, how you obviously yeah. you tackled adversity yeah. uh, with the COVID and driving your company through that. but just the day to day, how, how do you kind of handle challenges and, and tell me about, about um, that. Well, I've just recently, like this week, reminded myself how important a morning ritual is because mm -hmm. I used to be really, really good about it and then I kind of migrated away from it. So um, when I'm good about the morning ritual, you know, I, I 
like to do some meditation. Mm -hmm. I like to do some deep breaths. I'm really, I, I feel that my day is massively and incredibly better when I focus on intentionality. Mm -hmm. You know, what, you know, what is my intention for this day? And one of the big things I'm really talking to myself about is being a patient leader, not mm -hmm. jumping to conclusions, but really asking the right questions. You know, I think that's super important. Um, so I, that's been a big part. I write down 10 gratitudes every single day because yeah. I think that's really important. And right now my business coach, um, she has me looking at three metrics, three things that I want to get better at, you know, mm -hmm. like acceptance. Okay. I'm a big fixer. And sometimes things don't need fixing. You right. just need to accept that they are. Yeah. So every morning I ask myself, was there anything yesterday that I accepted? You know, and yeah. so things like that. So, you know, look, I'm surrounded by self-help. Yeah. <laughs> I'm true. in the business of, you yeah. know, how to perfect your leadership, your teamwork, overcoming adversity. So I'm constantly fueled by that. That's cool. You're you around know? it. I'm around yeah. it all the time. And I love it. Absorb it. That's yeah. really neat. Yeah. Um, so day to day. Tell me kind of what you do. Like, what's the, oh, let's start there. Let's talk about the daily routine mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. time you get yeah. up. What did you eat today, yeah. Gail? So, all those um, I have two sons. They are 33 and 34. And one of the gifts I gave myself when they became off the payroll and independent is unless I, like this morning I had a, a phone call with some people in Kuala Lumpur and trust me, I had to set an alarm for that. Mm -hmm. But one of the gifts I give myself is I don't set an alarm. Yeah. And so I wake up when I wake up, which is early. Yeah. I'm just a naturally, you know, six, six thirty. Mm -hmm. If I slept past seven, I'd be surprised. Yeah. But I, I, uh, I, every morning I get a report from our system on what proposals were looked at the day before. Okay. And I love looking at that because that's something that my team is generating, not me. Yeah. It also tells me some trends. I'm super curious when I look at it, how many of these, let's say on an average day, 15 to 20 proposals were looked at. Well, you can imagine that a year ago, 80% plus were for virtual events. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to tell you that today, less than 20% are virtual. But that's something that I've been very interested in. Are we shifting back to in-person? Are we still looking at virtual? Mm -hmm. And then this time of year, I'm super curious, are these events going to happen this year or is this year over? Because in the pre-COVID days, by the time you get to September, you're working on next year. Yeah. But we're still looking. People are, people are, the cycle is still shorter. And yeah. people are still saying, hey, I need a speaker for October. Is that how you guys adapted through COVID was is driving more at the virtual? Yes. We had to. Yeah. Absolutely, we had to. And um, my, my first suggestion to my team was, if you get invited to anything virtual, go. Yeah. We need to learn all the platforms. Because when it all, when it first came down, like, I mean, literally, if I think back on it, we were like, what's Microsoft Teams? What's Zoom? You know, now it's a household name, obviously. But, you know, WebEx. Uh, and then there were all these meeting planning platforms. Yeah. So we had to learn those. We Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Huge challenge. Yeah. So uh, I was going to ask you too, you know, going back a step. So you start GDA. Who was instrumental in helping you in that process? So was it something you built and then now you passed this, you know, trade and this, this process down? Or how, how did you come about building the business? And, and then from there, maybe some of the, where were some of the bounces that helped you really yeah. ignite the business? 
Well, remember I was a client, so I knew a fair amount about mm -hmm. the transactional process because I'd been hiring speakers for a long time. Candidly, there was a business owner here in Dallas who had a speakers bureau and I had been her client and she literally took me under her wing and said, I'll help you do whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's indicative of this industry. Yeah. We have a, an association called the International Association of Speakers Bureaus. From the outside looking in, you might go, well, aren't you all competitors? That would be one way to look at it. Yeah. But it's a very collegial industry and everybody feels like there's more than enough to go around. And let's say I was sitting on an airplane next to you and I said, hey, do you ever hire speakers? And you said, yes. And I said, who do you work with? More often than not, you're going to give me the name of another bureau and I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, that's Randy. Yeah. Oh, you're in great hands. <laughs> so that's just kind of how it works. So yeah. I had a lot of support from um, just my own experience and then from the International Association of Speakers Bureaus, from this local business owner that assisted me, um, I became involved after I got divorced in EO, the Entrepreneur okay. Organization. Mm -hmm. And that's helped me more on the business side. Mm -hmm. You know, like, hey, have you tried this? Uh, have you tried that? Here's a good recommendation for an attorney, or here's a good recommendation for where to get your group health insurance. Yeah. Because I knew, I knew about speakers, yeah. and I love speakers, but I didn't know a whole lot about business necessarily, yeah. you know? I've had the same CPA for 23 years. I don't know what I would do without her. She has taught me so much because I have a degree in journalism, major in public relations, and they do not teach you how to read a balance sheet yeah. in journalism school. Yeah, yeah, so I had a lot to learn on that. That's good. And I've also had a business coach for probably five years, and she's just been, a game changer for me. You know, I love the playbook analogy and and I love sports metaphors and I think a coach I mean everybody has a coach. Yeah. Why, why shouldn't a business leader have a coach? So I'm I'm really happy that I finally made a decision to have that accountability partner. Well, that's really cool. I have not considered that, but I mean, it really makes sense having someone that mm -hmm. perfectly stated accountability partner, someone that's going to drive you through some of this stuff. MyLabsDirect.com anytime Explain to the viewers kind of a, a, you know, don't know a lot about the industry or what you guys do or what, what area you fill. We've used you guys, um, which we had a, obviously an amazing experience. But when you're out there building your business, is it more predicated upon a specific uh, audience or is it people that come to you and are looking for someone to, you know, how does that all work? <laughs> yeah. And then the next piece is how do you design and build and hold a, you know, a roster of talent that you can then connect people to. So tell tell our viewers a little bit about how that works. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Personally, I love inspirational stories, and I love you might call them motivational stories. So I'm very drawn to that genre. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you've got a story, <laughs> rags to riches story, man, I'm all in. Mm -hmm. um, but back to the business side, you can't really scale a business because not everybody's looking for an inspirational speaker. Right. So 
you start to learn like, no, we need to talk on leadership. So you're like, okay, I gotta, I gotta go find some leadership speakers. And then over the years, so many things have changed. You know, sustainability became a huge topic mm -hmm. probably five, six, seven years ago. Um, the past few years, diversity, inclusion speakers are very popular. Mm -hmm. So initially, um, before anybody even knew who GDA speakers was, you know, I was out looking for these people. Yeah. Over time, you get a reputation, and then people, speakers are coming to you. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest challenges I have is, is keeping the, the speakers tight. Mm -hmm. You can't be all things to all people, and you can't know thousands and thousands and thousands of speakers. Right. So it's, it's a shift that happens as your business matures. When I was first started, I mean, the day one that I opened the business, I had one speaker. Yeah. Okay. And that didn't work really well, but not everybody was looking for a guy who had been in a plane crash and survived for 72 days. Would he, would he have come back? Have you used him since? <laughs> oh, over 300 times. Oh, wow. He's the okay. cornerstone of my business. Yeah. yeah he's everything. We're, we're amazing friends. Uh, I've been to his daughter's weddings. He's been to my son's wedding. Yeah, mm -hmm. It's been a beautiful, beautiful friendship. But I... I remember when I could put on my website, GDA Speakers represents over 100 speakers. I thought, oh, that's so cool. And yeah. then at some point it was 500, 1500. And one day I was reading it and it said something like over 3000 speakers. And I was like, that is not impressive. As a matter of fact, I don't know 3000 speakers. I can't, you can pull a name out of there and say, hey, tell me about this person. And I'd be like, I don't know. Yeah. So I realized I had to triage the speakers. Mm -hmm. So I came up with a system and high priority speakers are speakers that we have a solid history with. We've received positive feedback and they meet our economic model because at the end of the day, we're in business sure. to make money, right? Mm -hmm. And so if I had it my way and if it made sense, we would only book those speakers Yeah, because it's low risk, high reward. They know us, we know them, contracting's easy, logistics are easy, they deliver every time. But to scale and to keep a client, like I have clients I've worked with for over 22 years. Mm -hmm. You can't keep those clients unless you're bringing them new ideas. Right. So then we have a section or a category of called radar. And these are speakers that should be on our radar because We've either lost business to them, they come highly recommended from an existing client, or they come highly recommended from a speaker that we value. And so keeping that tight is mm -hmm. important because keeping all the information accurate on all these speakers is challenging. Mm -hmm. And then there's a section just kind of called low priority speakers. We've either outgrown them or, you know, we do occasionally blackball someone in the system mm -hmm. where they just didn't deliver mm -hmm. and when we called them to have the conversation about the client being disappointed they didn't seem to care hmm. yeah, and that, so life's too short you yeah. just say you know what we're not going to book that person yeah. and that rarely happens out of thousands of speakers i can say a, a small handful that we just made the decision that we probably did not want to represent them because that recommendation is what our entire reputation is built on yeah is our speakers um generally you have your speakers, they're not supposed to cross-pollinate with other firms, or how does that all work? Great question. Um, some speakers are exclusive. Mm -hmm. And to be exclusive, you almost need to be a household name. Yeah. Because 
you know, if, if you want to find, let's just, who's somebody, I, a former president, let's just say, mm -hmm. you're, you're going to Google it, you're going to go there. Because if you want a former president, th there's only one. Yeah. But if you want, you know, a speaker who speaks on leadership, who's around $20,000, who's written a book, oh my goodness, there's hundreds of those. Yeah. So um, sometimes it makes sense to be exclusive and sometimes it doesn't. And so I do represent exclusive speakers. Nando Parada, the speaker mm -hmm. I told you about, I represent him exclusively. I book exclusive speakers. When I book an exclusive speaker, I make less of a commission, but I don't care Yeah. because I want to keep my client happy. If I cared about that, I might run the risk that you might say, oh, well, okay, I'm going to go over there. And you might enjoy that experience and forget to come back. So I don't care if occasionally I have to split the commission with somebody else. Yeah. So, but there's a whole group of fabulous speakers who, you know, they're not with every bureau, but they've invested in three, four, five, six key relationships. And I'm fully aware that my other colleagues are, as a matter of fact, I get recommendations from yeah. my industry colleagues like, oh, you're not working with this person. You should be. Yeah, so that's interesting. That's how that works. Give us like the maybe top five big names, people that you have in your Rolodex uh -huh. or that our viewers would know about some of the no. names you've had that Ooh, you've aligned. See. It's going to be uh, going to be hard. I know. Damon John okay. is on Shark Tank. Yes. So a lot of people know that name and we've booked him a lot. Mm -hmm. We've had the good fortune of booking Magic Johnson oh, a lot. Cool. And I think he's just... Such a generous, great, great, great speaker. Um, politics is always an iffy thing, but yeah. sometimes it's really important. And uh, one of the speakers that I enjoy booking from a political standpoint is Frank Lunds. Okay. So yeah. he's a pollster. Yeah. And so I say to people, you know, you got to be kind of careful if you go too far left or too yeah. far right. But Frank's giving you what the polls say. Right. And here's the data. Yeah. So I think that's interesting. Um, we do a lot of things here in Dallas where we bring celebrities in that are tied to a cause. Mm -hmm. So we've had the great fortune of working with Genesis Women's Shelter, which mm -hmm. is about domestic violence. And so uh, Tyler Perry has come here for that. Um, who else? Have, who did they just have last year? Octavia Spencer, I think maybe they had mm -hmm. last year. They've had Nicole Kidman. So we've gotten, you know, on some of this nonprofit celebrity things some really big names oh i bet yeah so i think upcoming we last year we had goldie hahn and then right now we have tyra banks coming in and patricia arquette anyone uh that you've listened to that you're particularly fond of or you you were kind of impressed or you learned something about them that you didn't realize or that's been inspiring or any, all of the above all the time yeah you know all the time um and sometimes it's not the household celebrity name. Mm -hmm. You know, many, many years ago, I was watching Lifetime TV mm -hmm. and I saw a made for Lifetime movie called Homeless to Harvard. And it was the true story of a gal named Liz Murray who grew up in the projects in New York City. And both of her parents were addicted to drugs. I mean, just, just a really super challenging upbringing. Mm -hmm. And she dropped out of high school. And her mother died, and she was literally at the cemetery by herself watching this pine box go into the ground that had a number on it. Mm. That, that's the level of poverty. And it kind of hit her, if I don't go back to school, I might 
end up in that situation. So yeah. she became very, very committed to getting back in school. And she goes to all these schools in New York City to say, you know, I'd like to come back. And in general, the, the reaction was, you're 18, that ship sailed, mm -hmm. go take your GED. And she found this one guy and he said, why should I let you do this? And she tells her story and he said, will you make straight A's? And she said, I'll make straight A's. Well, what he didn't know and what she kept as a secret is she was homeless. Mm -hmm. So she was in school all day, she worked after school, and then she rode the subways at night or couch surfed while she did her homework. Mm -hmm. And um, her, she did really well. She kept her promise, making the straight A's. And she got to, the first time she ever left New York City was to go on a field trip to Harvard. And they were standing in Harvard Yard, and her principal, or yeah, I believe it was the principal, he looked at her, he goes, Liz, what are you thinking? She goes, you know what I'm thinking. And he said, well, it'd be a stretch, but I think it could happen. Fast forward, she went to Harvard, she graduated from Harvard, she now has her PhD from Columbia. And honestly, she's one of the most inspiring human beings I've ever met in my life. I, I, um, I just... You want to talk about resiliency and, and oh, yeah. caring about the world. I mean, she's just an amazing, amazing person. So she she would be right up there. Yeah. yeah. yeah for sure. I, that was what I was going to really drive into is yeah. those that have inspired you. And so you've answered that question. <laughs> <laughs> when you when you lead your team, um, give me some of the your philosophies in terms of leadership in general. And, and what are the, some of the things that you practice in, in leading your folks? Yeah. You know... Okay, I love DDS. It was a great, great, great experience. Mm -hmm. But it probably was a little bit what they might call command and control. Okay. Um, there were a lot of ex-military people. Mm -hmm. and, and there was a very, very strong culture, which still exists today, and the company doesn't even exist. But it was, it was more of a command and mm -hmm. control environment. And I've really had to learn over the years that that's kind of not fashionable. Yeah. <laughs> and people don't like to be controlled or told what to do. And so um, that's where the business coach comes in. Because, you know, she, and my dad, he was a Marine. Yeah. So I was kind of comfortable with the yes, sir, no, sir, this is the way we're going to do it. Don't don't talk back environment. Right. But that doesn't fly anymore. No, it doesn't. So yeah. um, it's been an, a journey for me. It really has. And I'm very, very proud of myself when I can be curious mm -hmm. and ask questions and lead people to the answer because that was not how I was trained. Yeah. And um, so that, that's been a big journey. Oh, I bet. Yeah, tra transitioning from EDS to something that now you're having to lead people. And so what would your uh, employees say about you? What are some of your, your qualities, your traits that people would identify? They definitely would say I'm passionate. Okay. And um, one of my employees says, you're so funny. And people don't really realize how funny you are, you know. Um, they would say that I have high expectations. Mm -hmm. uh, just recently, an employee told me, gosh, Gail, a situation can seem so impossible, and you just always know what to say to the client. Yeah. So I think I am good when things feel like they're falling apart. I, and, and I think they would acknowledge that I have a lot of relationships. Um, yeah, I, th I think that's what they would say. You know, I know how to manage those relationships. Are you still on out there trying to network and meet folks and, and continue to build that, that pool of talent? I just naturally do. Yeah. You know, my CPA once said the best use of GDA money would be to have you on an airplane all the time. Mm -hmm. because you've never been on an airplane that you didn't walk with a business card and have a new client. So that's just kind of what I do. Mm -hmm. 
um, you know, I'm not cold calling people, but I leverage the networks. And then I, I'm, you know, the key accounts are super important to me, particularly during COVID. I don't remember if it was before we talked or during this uh, actual recording, but I had 12 employees and we went down yes. to four. So it was really important for me to stay in touch with key clients and reassure them and tell them, you know, yes, the person you used to work with isn't here, but I haven't gone anywhere. And we're going to we're gonna do the right thing, the smart thing to get us to the other side, mm -hmm. and, and you're going to be taken care of. And I'm really proud. I, I mean, I can think of a handful of people that we lost during the transition, but considering the magnitude of the pandemic, I'm pretty impressed with the, the client retention we had. Oh my had. gosh, yeah. And now you guys have adapted. It's amazing. Yeah. So what's next? Where, where, where do you see you going? Is this like, what's in, what's in store for, for you, Gail? You know, it's funny. I went to a speaker boot camp recently and I left the thing thinking maybe I should get into speaking myself, you yeah. know, who, you know, you never know. So, um, I like to think about it in three acts. So I think my act one was what everybody expects you to do. Mm -hmm. You know, good girl, go to college, graduate, get a job. That was sort of my act one. My act two was this whole entrepreneurial journey and then kind of adjusting to my personal change my you know not being married and and all that and i think act three is like the best you yeah. know because i'm really getting to live a great life mm -hmm. and it's funny growing up i wasn't athletic at all unless you call being a cheerleader but i wasn't the kind that can do all the backflips and everything i was just the raw raw kind mm -hmm. but i never had run anywhere in my life i don't even know that i would have known how to run if there was a coyote chasing me but somehow like in my 50s I ran my first half marathon wow I right before I turned 60 I did the Grand Canyon from rim to rim wow then two years later I went to Spain and I did 120 miles on the Camino de Santiago last September I did 43 miles in Zion so like an Another thing, my whole life I worried about weight. Yeah. Up, down, lose weight, gain it all back. It was just a thing. In 2019, I lost 55 pounds and I've never gained it back. So it's another big part of my morning ritual that I left off, but I still check in with that nutritionist every single day. Yeah. Because I'm not, I'm not going back on that one. So it's kind of like, you know, act three is maybe where the fun is. Yeah. You know, so I, um, yeah, I was talking to a bunch of young mothers today at lunch, and they were all talking about juggling their kids and and, and some some issues with like the teens. And I'm like, you guys, it goes so fast. Yeah, like just it, it is going to be over before you know yeah, it. It goes so fast. Right. So I like that mentor role as well. Well, it's going to be exciting to see where you head, where you go. <laughs> and I agree. I think you should maybe get on the, the speaker scene and, and kind of share your story with people. Oh, but I do want to thank you so much for joining us that today. Was great. Leaders so Playbook. Fun. Thank you so much. Okay. You're welcome. Thank you.